The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. It wasn't a foul, absolutely not. But no, I'm glad to see the goalkeeper is getting the benefit of the doubt. You <laughs> always get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday all the way until then. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We're streaming the conversation as well. You can listen on News Talk across the country on your radio. Also watch us in the Off The Ball digital and social channels for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And we're joined for the first hour of this programme by the former Republic of Ireland striker, Kevin Doyle, who's on the line and in the studio, the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist, Johnny Ward. David Connolly is joining us between four and five. You can join the conversation our text number 53106. You can also tweet us at Off The Ball. Kevin Doyle, Manchester City completely outclassed Liverpool. 4-1 win. Very impressive for City. Kevin, are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on to me. You know what? Um, I can't lie to you, lads. It was a very impressive win, but I was at my son's under-12 match and I'm just back and I can tell you all about his under-12 match, but I can't tell you too much about the Liverpool-Man City game. Just, we, look, luckily, we, we watched it here, so we can we can, we, we can can fill you in on City-Liverpool and you can fill us in on the under-12s match. So. I hope the defending was, was uh, good in the under-12s match. Um, as opposed to you wouldn't see that at the Etihad so. yeah 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 Alec I mean what was that stat that popped up in the first half when Liverpool score first I think they'd, they'd yeah, won they, 33 they, of the 36 previous correct, games yes. and drawn the other three yes so Salah scored after 17 minutes but within 10 minutes City were level through Alvarez a brilliant flowing move with five passes in it one minute into the second half City are 2-1 up uh, Alvarez brilliant pass from the midfield out to Mares on the right and Robertson caught a no man's land squared it to De Bruyne who scored the second goal and then they followed up Gundogan finishing from close range and then Jack Grealish with the fourth goal after a 1-2 with De Bruyne but like you can really see the dip in performance of Liverpool uh, today um, it, it just it said to me that the Liverpool Man City uh, Man United game was not the true reflection of where Liverpool are at it was today well that's that, why I wanted to just out interest there I'm sorry button in here how was Van Dijk today um I watched him closely for the Dutch the other night and I thought he was so so poor so laid back and just off the pace totally what was he like today yeah I really blame him that much actually no it's more it, it's, I think it's more the midfield and the more the fact that City were so slick with their passing and controlled the ball um, there was one I think one of the goals he was definitely a little bit sluggish but I mean I think there probably has been a drop off in his performances generally but I'm just going to come back to that stat like I thought that was an amazing stat really and you can completely understand why that would be the case with Liverpool that naturally with the sort of counter-attacking power that they have that they score first against the team and then they're just in a, such a position of control that you know, the, the, the other team comes out and then they, they naturally kill them you know on the break and there was that I mean, City were a stronger team from the start, but there was a couple of early moments where like Liverpool won the ball, and it was four v four very quickly. And um, in the goal was a, a sort of a classic counter. And as much as City outclassed them or dominated the game, there's no doubt the key moment of the match was the Grealish intercept Absolutely. in that first half. Where again, as much as City were on top, you sort of felt at any moment they could get turned over by Liverpool here. And almost City, the more they attacked, they were the more dangerous things could have been for them. And if people didn't see it, um, I think it was a corner that broke down, mm-hmm. and Grealish made like a 60-yard sprint back where Salah was crossing the ball across the area. I'm not sure who was in the middle, but this 
this like this is 2-0 and that could have been it and clearly like Liverpool that stat is like something you can be obviously very proud of you know they, they get ahead and, and they're in a position of dominance and, and they can you know they manage to control the game but that's what makes City's response all the more impressive that they actually managed to get back early with a great goal Grealish again involved and Grealish was a big player today in a yeah, lot of big Bruno moments as well, yeah. yeah but I think but yeah, De Bruyne you pretty expected I think Grealish is more you know a real big game performance from him um, but I think it's more the point that like City always probably were living on the edge at 1-0 a little bit but they managed to sort of get out of that situation that could have become sticky for them and then completely yeah I mean then their quality shone through and um, I mean this game is like in recent years this has been the game it's not anymore you know? and it feels like that yeah it's, it, no, it it's changed not. isn't it it's lost its status very quickly yeah. that like yeah, yes like still I mean the first half in particular I, I still found it really enjoyable um, but the second half was more a case of mm, okay this isn't the game right now this isn't like the the, the most exacting level um, where you know any mistake is punished it was more um, slack and I think like you know the, the fourth goal even just like but just a little bit lax and I think that's probably where even you mentioned, mentioned Van Dijk it's more the general just a certain malaise in terms of their application we keep saying it like you know they, yeah you know, they, they weren't chasing back for the fourth goal no, no, their body language was kind of gone as well, JD, at that point. I, I think Dan, Dan is spot on there. That The, the Grealish um, interception on Salah. Now, looking at the game subsequently, I think even if Liverpool went 2-0 up, I'd have no faith that they would have won the game. Given it could have been 2-all though rather than 4-1. Yeah. There would have been more chances. Obviously, they, more they, chances on the break. That, yeah, you if know, they'd gone 2-0 up, and it, like Dan's right, because that was Liverpool. Liverpool's first goal was good. It was And, and they'd just broken off offside trap. Great finish by Salah. But two things about that. The fact that Grealish would have it in him to make it like a real lung bursting run from his own, from the opposition penalty box to go back. And he was effectively the last man in a two-on-one. Just shows what Guardiola has done to his character. And, and it's not that I would knock Grealish, but at Villa he was obviously like um, you know he was the the big the big fish in the, the big small fish pond. in the small pond and I, I think it's taken him time but that, that interception what it also told me JD was how Salah did not have the legs to get in a position where it was a straightforward pass and he just didn't he didn't he's, Salah's legs I think that that just proved that he's lost a yard the new contract legs just probably age and you know the, the Liverpool demise we've spoken about it uh, quite a bit this year there, there, there are probably a lot of factors involved but the old Salah he's, there's no way he'd such a start on Grealish like and Grealish got back to the extent that Salah did the right thing he made the right pass um, but Liverpool's body language the, the two the two fullbacks had really really poor games and you know the the fourth goal you look at the you look at the, they've just kind of gone um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson I thought you know it was it was kind of symptomatic of their demise, and you just look at the the face of the Liverpool players as the goals went in. It was, it was actually kind of quite tragic to watch the demise of this team. And you know, I spoke about the fact that they'd worked their way back into top four contention, and they're obviously still in with a shout. But um, they were absolutely battered today. And I thought what City did very well was Liverpool play a somewhat high line, and if you can break that line but play the ball out wide, you've masses of space. They're very good line. at wide, so good at wide. And then once you play, so you see for De Bruyne's goal, he's just holding his run. The the pass is absolutely perfect. Mares as well earlier on, and uh, as a Liverpool fan, you know I, I find these Saturday morning games can be really depressing if your team loses badly. And where they're going from here, I don't it's know. A they big, were really it's poor. a big difference from a half four Sunday Anfield, which it was a few seasons yeah, ago when they were just compared to when they when they Gagan Press needs fuel and replenishment, and they <laughs> don't have that at the moment in full in full whack. In a general sense, I know you because we'll talk about the other twelves game in a moment, Kevin Doyle. But <laughs> in a general sense, Liverpool, what do they need to do to get back up to the top and to the peak? of the Klopp years which were so great for them for a few years 
Um, it's so difficult. Like, you know, like in everything in sport, when your momentum goes and it really goes and trying to turn that around. Like, we, I think we spoke about this the last time I was on the show about Klopp and his sort of seven-year itch as a manager. Um, this sort of run of form has happened to him previously. Um, you know, it's, it's a case of does he... Does he get to stay, rebuild, re-enthuse, get new players in and go again? Or does he, um, you know, do what he sort of had planned, I think, anyway. In his head, he had planned to leave either at the end of last season, the end of this season, when he was contracts coming in. He spoke about always going to, to move on after a certain amount of time, and he didn't. And he recommitted to a long contract, which surprised everyone. And if, you know, looking at it now in hindsight, it's easy to say you think maybe it was the right thing he knew all along. That should be the time I go. Or not, I have to stay and do a big, massive freshen up, rebuilding, whatever it might be. But then football can change so quickly. That's, you know, their results in the last couple of weeks haven't been too bad, actually. And they think they've turned the corner and you think they've got that momentum again. And then today they're playing a top team in Man City and they happen to get stuffed and it's the end of the world all over again. Um, but they can, it can turn as quickly, I suppose. You know, this time last year, you're thinking they're the best club, the best run club, the best owners, the best everything, you know, best manager best players in the world. Um, basically a year, everyone doubts, everyone questions, their, their ownership models even question, everything is thrown up in the air. We can turn, have a good off season, do things right in the summer, get a couple of key signings in, and then all of a sudden it can look rosy again next season, but lots of ifs I've thrown in there. They're away record, JD, and I'm just looking for it here. It's, just, it's symptomatic of a team that, that has some sort of a mental issue because Liverpool should have no issue going away from home and winning games and their their away record is I think I think Southampton have a better away record than them I might be wrong their, their away record you, is you so you can just so think bad. of the days Bournemouth away Brentford away Wolves away Brighton away now today maybe look it's just one of those things as Kevin said you're playing City and City were purring and once they got the equaliser they were able to and it almost didn't look like they missed Haaland at all uh, which was yeah, like Alvarez was very good, like Gundogan was very good yeah. as well. His positions and and sometimes this is the thing. Sometimes without Haaland like the the you know they they slot into a sort of a natural rhythm that's very familiar to them in, in recent seasons. And they've won three of fourteen games away. Yeah, so three of fourteen lower than Southampton. Yeah, yeah, like that is that that is sort of a, a grim stat. All right, um, I mean I suppose like part of it, like City were very good and. Um, you know there's a natural tendency you hone in on the team that, that's well beaten like you know sometimes it's like yeah well this was an exceptional side and Liverpool just aren't they're just aren't at it you know they're not at that pitch um, but I think you know Kevin makes the point like about Klopp's situation or when you lose the momentum and you see these cycles that teams go on like how do you just regain that momentum like it doesn't it's not like you just flick a switch you know like maybe like they did have that bad season a couple of years ago it's been mentioned several times you know when Alisson saved them with the with the goal to get into the Champions Nathan League Murphy commentary you yeah never forget it. and they and they and look at last season look what that was but obviously a lot of still same players are there that were there even in that bad season and they're all a couple of years older now so um, it does feel like um, they do need a little bit of a reboot in the summer and, and yeah. what can they get from this the rest of the season now is the question you, you remember yeah. as well Kevin when he was on possibly the last time he was on just talking about you know listen to the same voice time and time again and that I, I don't really see Klopp turning this around like if he because he has so many of his players there and the young players he's bringing through have been okay but they're not good enough to really turn it around so like if you ask the Liverpool fan honestly now would you like somebody else to manage this club a top top manager in the morning like take away 
away the love for Klopp. Oh, oh no, I'm Johnny. I've Take away the love screen. for Klopp. Who's got? Can, do you? Okay, so do you believe a, a really good new, young new manager can do a better job right now than Klopp can going forward? I I don't see Klopp really turning this around. I think the demise is too. It's too. It's going to take too long, and I think the players are kind of used to him at this stage. And he's been too loyal to players that are basically like Henderson again today. I mean, he's he's just not up to it anymore at, at that level. Um, Salah's kind of lo- like he's been he's been loyal to the defence, which there's, is but, but there's no Liverpool without Klopp. But, the, but also, well, well, there will be eventually. But like the new manager still has those players, you know. So the only que- the only way you can the only way you could back up your argument in some way, Johnny, there is that if you think a new manager can come in and manage the rebuild better. You know, as in you're sort of suggesting is Klopp's relationship with players holding him back towards replacing them? I think it is yeah. in some way. Okay, I, well, that's I, yeah, the, and I think that's an I, I don't know, Kevin. Like, what what do you think? So, just say Klopp decided tonight. I've enough of this, right? I I, I haven't. I can't turn this around. But I, I did find it interesting where you're like, you know, especially when you, the manager is also coaching. It's the same drills mm-hmm. over and over, the same voice, and it does get a bit like it just gets the same, I guess. Yeah, you know, we're go- I'm going back over all ground, repeating what I said the last time. But, like, you know, what would you're talking about loyalty to players and everything like that? And you talk about don't like comparing Liverpool to Man United, but the best manager we've probably all seen is is Alex Ferguson, and he didn't show loyalty, did he, to players when it was the or time? Coaches. Mm, mm. They were gone, you know, and it, you'd be a shock. I can't believe he got rid of him. Whether it was Keane, Sam, Vanista, right? Like he'd always move on and freshen up and get a new player in. Players, as I spoke about the last time, assistant managers would come and go. He'd always have, you know, that's a, sort of a core. I know, listen, Klopp lost his assistant as well a couple of years ago in fairness. So he has changed things there. Um, but that core players, a lot of those players have been there now for a long time. And they went to the well last year as well. What a season that was. And what mentally and physically, maybe we don't realise what went into that. They were involved in everything right to the debt. I know he gives out about their pre-season then as well, where they went on pre-season afterwards. You know, they had a bad pre-season that, I can't remember where they went. They went somewhere, travelled a long way away when he didn't really want to. And different things haven't gone right for him since then. But, you know, the, what that took out of him last season as well, psychologically, mentally, they might they might still just come around next year. Those players might be. It's so hard, lads. Honestly, end of the season, whatever sort of season it is. And for those players, fighting for all those trophies, didn't get out of it what they wanted. And then literally within like two or three weeks, back training again, back, start again, back, back to square one. I know that's all top teams, but it was specifically tough for Liverpool last year with all the fronts we're fighting on. Well, not the biggest squad in the world um, to get up and go again. And, and the way they play as well, it's not just, they don't play like Man City. It's a different level of intensity. They don't just, they won't pass you off the park. It's a lot more high press, high intensity with the ball back and you have to be at 100% all the time. So there's a few different reasons. I suppose I would... Personally, if I would be more patient with Klopp and give him the chance, I, you'd love to see him. You know, I'm not a Liverpool fan, I, I, but I, I, I really like Jordan Klopp, and you, he's just, he's the only manager out there where you'd say, you know, what a lot of the time he talks sense, and uh, he's the type of fellow you, you want to do well. I'd love to see him get turn this one around. It'd be some job to turn it around now and get him going again. Um, it'd be as impressive as what he's done there in the past to get it to come back again. But he'll have the funds and. He's young enough, and he's an intelligent man. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't. I, if I was a fan, I wouldn't want him to go. To be honest, Johnny, I'd like to see him given 
plenty of time to get it right again I, I think loyalty absolutely Liverpool fans wouldn't want it's to go it's a symbiotic like, relationship between Klopp and the, the city though and the club yeah, and I, 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 think, I, I think Klopp is the person who decide if he goes I, yeah, yeah that's dangerous he's won, he's no one's bigger he's, than he's, the club he's, he's won every trophy they haven't yeah. won a trophy in 30 years look, 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 look at the midfield who right. is the top manager that comes well, in and who are they I think Klopp will make that I think his own decision will be like yeah I can't do this anymore you look at the midfield today JD Jordan Henderson Fabinho who was so bad for the third goal like so bad just basically loses his man in a crowded box and Harvey Elliott right against effectively Gundogan Rodri and then a combination of De Bruyne Grealish and Mares. and it's like these players are just vastly vastly superior to what Liverpool have and then up front it's kind of like Jota's back but like Gakpo's kind of been hit and miss Salah's not at his best they don't really know what their best team is and then the, I mean the back four has just been a complete mess all season uh, we've um, got goals going in in the Premier the League problems all over the place basically yeah Fulham won Bournemouth nil uh, Andres Pereira on the mark for the Cottagers uh, Evan Ferguson not in the Brighton squad today got a bit of a knock but should be okay for the next game they trail Brentford 1-0 Pontus Janssen on the mark Crystal Palace nil Leicester nil Nottingham Forest nil Wolves nil and Arsenal nil Leeds nil as Brighton just scores subject to VAR so Arsenal nil Leeds nil but Kyle Saka not in the Arsenal 11 today he's on the, the bench which is interesting Gabriel Jesus back the Gunners now with a 5 point lead at the top we'll obviously monitor this throughout the afternoon we're going to take a break and come back with Kevin Doyle on the Republic of Ireland against France on Monday were you at the game do you have a view on uh, where the project is in terms of the European Championship campaign are you encouraged by what you saw against possibly the best team in the world on Monday we're back after this And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. Remember, football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you live in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. Scores going in in the Premier League. Arsenal, who are looking to go eight points clear again after City won 4 1 against Liverpool. Their goal is against Leeds after 26 minutes. Bournemouth nil, Fulham 1. Brighton won Brentford 2 now. Two goals since we last spoke. So Brighton equalising through Matoma, but Ivan Tony has scored for Brentford to put them in front. Goal is between Palace and Leicester and Forest and Wolves. In the Championship the goals that have gone in, well some results from earlier Luton 2, Watford nil, and Preston 3, Blackpool 1. A lot of Irish players in show on that one. Yeah, Tom Cannon with a very good goal. People might see it on 21 striker who was uh, you know, playing for 21s last week and uh, in scoring form again. Really good finish. Cardiff nil, Swansea 1, Coventry nil, Stoke 1 and we also have a goal at the bottom there. Wigan 1, QPR nil. Kevin Doyle, who won the under-12s game? What was the score? 4-0 to my son's team Glyn Barntown called um, beat Kilmore 4-0 so I just got sent a picture through we're top of the league oh, beautiful. Uh, well done going well yeah I'm not the manager now I just help out a little bit so um, not to do with me you're not one of those pushy parents who gets too involved in the manager's ear you know you're not no, one of those I, Kevin I Junior. prefer not to be there to, not, not, not that I wouldn't want to be there but yeah but just to <laughs> keep a lower profile not to be putting them under pressure uh I understand. think it might have to play my young fella or something. Did they put the opposition under pressure, kind of Jack-style tactics at under 12? No, we're good footballers. We play out from the back, lads. <laughs> Total football, some beautiful goals there today. Yeah, no, it was good to see. And a lovely, a lovely full-size AstroTurf pitch as well, lads. Great facilities wow. and around the place at the moment in Wexford. God, I remember 
your earliest football memories when you were playing cycling to a game for Shivan Rovers against Roscommon Town and under 13 and I'd say I was 9 or 10 and I was late for the game for some reason and must have gotten the kickoff time wrong which would have been which anyone who knows me wouldn't be surprised at and been thrown the jerseys like what I'm starting here against Roscommon Town who are like the Real Madrid of the league at that time <laughs> and this was the coolest thing ever and remember the excitement of playing football as a kid for your local team like and we usually I mean we were probably beaten like 13 nil that day but uh, I played well actually got to start <laughs> You got to start. Yeah, yeah. These exciting days. Down. Like uh, they, they are magical days. Playing playing football as a kid. Like and um, oh, yeah. met met um, a Derry fan last night at in Talca Park, whose son is involved in uh, football at a young age as well. And you just you wish you were back at that. The fun of it all and the the innocence of it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are you uh, yeah. No, you still like you still pass your old. Like I was home yesterday in RD, and you still pass by the pitch where you played your first games and stuff. There's still always something about it. Like you remember it. Like your first eleven aside games. Square United in the Meaden District League that's where it all happened yeah, I was left on the bench for Joey's in Sally Noggin and I quit well sorry I mean uh. if Joey's I mean <laughs> I mean, if if everyone who couldn't make it at Joey's quit JD yeah, there wouldn't well, be many around petulant did you, I mean did you stay for the game or were you gone no I was just I was just. I remember I was on a way trip I remember being on the bus and just knew I wasn't going to get it's like Ronaldo in the car park like, yeah, there's no point in giving my traumas out on the uh, yeah on the there's a lot of stuff in your in your kind of um, your upbringing JD that you bring up in the show and Sally Noggin must have been a factor as well uh, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> the Sally Noggin. Text in any of your Sally Noggin stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, the the Brack and the Noggin. I'm the Brack man. Uh, five three one zero six. The Klopp era of one title in eight years is over. Uh, says says one of our texters, and we also got a tweet in here on Liverpool from Mark, uh, who says that uh, as a Liverpool supporter, it's pretty hard to reconcile from competing for quadruple to having no Champions League and getting schooled by City. Massive job for Jurgen or someone else. Last Monday, did you see total football last Monday, Kevin Doyle at the Aviva? Yeah, I was, France? yeah, I was at the game. Yeah, no, brilliant. What did you? What were you encouraged by? What was encouraged by? Um, well, you know what? In fairness, against against the good sides under Stephen, now we haven't got, I suppose, fabulous results. We've always been in the games. You know, remember the Portugal game? We were particularly good. I thought the other night we were excellent. I thought we played the right way. Uh, you know, there was different criticisms. We didn't play enough, and we we were too defensive. I thought we played exactly how we should have played against France. Because if we come out and opened up anyway at all. You know, no one does that against France. He can't do it. I thought we were excellent. Um, I, I think Stephen, the only thing he was saying was, and we noticed in the game how deep Evan Ferguson was coming back to help as well. And we thought that was probably part of it, you know, part of his tactics, get, you know, everyone behind the ball. But he didn't actually want Evan coming all the way back because when we did clear the times, we, we didn't have, you know, it would have been good to have one person up there maybe to hold up a guy. But in general, I thought we were we were excellent. And even looking like, Possession-wise, right, it was 60-40, but you're going to get that against France. That was even that's good, I thought, for us. Um, but corners, you know, we we had more corners then. I think we had very similar shots on goal and on target as them. You know, little stats that you would look for after a game to see, well, you know, was it, was it, you know, were we lucky? Did we get away with it? Or, you know, should we have got something from the game? And we should have got something from the game. We finished a stronger team. Last 20 minutes, we were all over them. They were the ones making substitutes, trying to see it out. And only for... You know what was a real world world class save? We would have got a very deserved uh, draw out again. Best save I think I've ever seen at Lansdowne Road in a soccer match. I don't think it was as good as that actually. No, I think he made it almost look a bit better. But it was one of those where you're like, oh my god, this is definitely going in because it obviously followed the save that he just made, which is more central. But like. Look at this dispassionately. The the result itself. I know it's a results game, but like y- you can only put so much, um, you know, into a game in over ninety minutes, and then little little things will go against you. Which, uh, um, and that header obviously from Collins was one of them. This to me was Ireland's best performance under Stephen Kenny. 
even though we lost. And that that like France are so good. I mean, f- tactically, I think they got it spot on. They stayed in the game until the end. And I think on the balance, they probably did deserve a draw because France had like two sort of half chances other than that in the second half and you look at it Mbappe, Giroud, Mouani, Camavinga, Griezmann, Rabiot um, you know against where we have Malumbi, um, West Brom, Josh Cullen Championship, Matt Doherty not getting his game Seamus Coleman a veteran at Everton um, you know Nathan Collins who's barely getting his game for Wolves Darrow Shea, West Brom Gavin Bazuna plays for Southampton Chidozi Ogbeni who was possibly our best player playing for Rotherham um, you know Jason Knight playing in the third tier and you know we're supposed to um, come away with a 1-0 win against France the other thing about it JD I think is if you look at I think we have a chance of beating the Dutch maybe at Lansdowne Road if the Dutch don't improve from where they're at and sometimes you'll get international teams that are nowhere near their peak um, I mean the Dutch coughed up four goals against France they're obviously uh, they're, they're a work in progress under Koeman France aren't that team France are a very well coached team Deschamps is a brilliant manager they are going to show up um, and I think Deschamps was very impressed with Ireland the way that we um, the way that we approached the game and what was interesting as well early on I think you wrote this in your report Dan early on like the Irish centre-backs had plenty of time in the ball but France started, did start to kind of spring traps and started to kind of um, put a lot more of a press on our centre-backs and um, for me the atmosphere of that game was phenomenal really it was like as much as we lost the game, I've never experienced an atmosphere like that at Lansdowne Road. I wasn't at the Germany game, the 1-0, um, but the atmosphere was something else. And funnily enough, I'm not going down the whataboutery comparisons and, and all of that, but we, we do... We do we just want to interrupt you, Johnny, there for a moment. Uh, Arsenal have a penalty against Leeds United. So Gabriel Jesus back in the team today, starting ahead of Bukayo Saka, fell by Luke Ayling in the box. And Martin Odegaard has the ball in his hands. And this is a huge moment yeah. in the title race. Arsenal have been riding their luck in the previous 10 minutes. Right. Like Leeds have had two pretty good chances on the break and have been well in the game it's been 50-50 oh it's been given to Jesus by Odegaard so Jesus now has got the ball in his hand he's put it on the spot yeah Ailing went to ground so like went to ground too early and clipped Jesus and, and uh, yeah he just he made made the decision probably easy big moment uh, after all the injury after the World Cup Gabriel Jesus uh yeah, he he, he, he did miss one chance. Jesus did miss one chance early on. He had a header from close range that went over. But Leeds had come back and looked very dangerous. So 34 minutes in the watch. Arsenal nil. Leeds nil. Gabriel Jesus against Ilimelia. And he puts him the wrong way and he puts the ball into the back of the net. Arsenal are ahead. Arsenal won. Leeds United nil in the Premier League. Pretty much I, down, I, down the middle. I'm just a little curious to go what other sports you've seen goalkeepers make big saves in Lansdowne Road. JD. He said it's the best save in a soccer match you've seen. I can't think of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was a phrase in a soccer match. So there was other sports where there could be big saves. Yeah, I was rudely interrupted. Anyway, the, so you were interrupted by a penalty. The, the, the it's only the yeah, top of the Premier Jesus. League. That's, the, that's all it is. The, the atmosphere at that game and the vibe. I'm just thinking, carry that into the games against Greece and the Netherlands at home. And I think the players will be absolutely buzzing to get back in the pitch again. And we've gone through years of, you know, pretty hit and miss atmospheres at Lansdowne Road the old Lansdowne Road into the new Viva Stadium I will say this I was at Ireland v France twice this year one of them was in the Six Nations which was the best team in the world against the second best team in the world the other one was in a World Cup qualifier which was the best or second best team in the world against Ireland who were ranked and oh my god the difference was chalk and cheese like the rugby was like a sleepover compared to like a rave it was was, (laughs) oh my god it was like there was no comparison and I don't know what rugby maybe needs to structure it 
the tickets more that people at the clubs are buying tickets and not people like me who rocked up the Ireland France game. The atmosphere on Monday night was incredible compared to the rugby. No comparison. Chalk and cheese board. But yeah, don't no. t- don't touch your radio if you're in the car there because Johnny's like the electricity's going through it there. Where are you off Actually, to? That's why I was at the Latvia game and for a friendly against wasn't Latvia, bad. Actually, good atmosphere that mm. as well. Very good crowd. I know you have to you have to buy both tickets. And the Johnny's after well, Johnny's after the rugby after the game. Actually, actually after I mean, the, after the show today, Johnny's yes, after the rugby. That's, but. that's but like the um when when they were naming out the the players as well and everyone was getting a cheer and like the I the the in in the context of the conversation we had last week, which I'm not going to get into, the buzz when they they read out Obafemi's name and Ogbeni's name and all these people cheering for this young Irish heroes and Evan Ferguson and I don't know there's there's a, there's a bond with these this young okay. team because let me just be devil's advocate for a moment. That we played so well against Portugal in, and we finished 2021 really well and then last year we had two really underwhelming performances against Armenia yeah absolutely and like, we lost at home yeah, to Ukraine when we go to uh, when how, we, do, how, do, how do we back it up how do so, we back so it up when we, when we go to Greece right the, the, the heat as much as it's late at night the heat could be absolutely horrific and I it's it's, it's no, 9.45pm yeah it could be extremely it, could, yeah. it could be extremely hot could be like 30-35 degrees even at that time of night Ireland are going to Turkey I think they're going to Turkey with that in mind to have a camp so that they can adjust to the heat but it's not easy the one thing I will say is I think we're a better team um, with the players we have right now, I think I think we're a better team playing conservatively, not a massive possession game. Regardless of who we're playing, I think we're a better team trying to exploit teams on the break rather than trying to dominate the ball. And I think we were far better uh, Monday night than we were um, against lesser teams, shall we say? And I, I I think there have to be lessons going forward because we're actually quite a good team when on the counter attack potentially. Yeah, but they have to. The, the counterpoint to that though is that they have to learn how to win those games because that has been the failing consistently. Like the one thing. I was thinking about after Monday in some ways like you talk to players and, and you know I'm sure Kevin's been in this situation after Ireland games like where you know you, you talk to players after and it's like you know it's just a shame you don't have another game in three days time or you know, four days time to like you know to build on this and you go back to your clubs and you lose it but actually in the Kenny years a lot of these big performances have come like Portugal away when three days later was Azerbaijan yeah. absolute downer you know Serbia away was followed by Luxembourg at home so maybe the fact that they have three months to Greece as much as the initial frustration is you want to build in it maybe in some ways it's not a bad thing that they can sort of reboot and like imagine if if Ireland, if Ireland had gone to Greece I think three days after France You'd be worried. Uh, I think the, you know, it would have been a hell of a come down from, from what they've put into that game and then they get nothing and that's what's hurt them before so they have three months to focus pretty much purely on, on the Greece game from the management point of view to construct a plan for that to think of all the equations that you're talking about there um, but that is my slight I just have to sort of be cautious a bit that we have seen these performances before as Kevin mentioned they've played well in all of these games before you know this is possibly the best performance because it's the best team they've played but they haven't really played badly I think the only game they played against a, like a higher ranked really strong side where they got very lucky with the Serbia game which actually yeah. ended up on a draw in Dublin they but were Ireland, battered, like. Ireland were battered in that thing. they certainly opened up like six or seven times hasn't happened in any of the other matches so but I think for me like you started the year thinking the whole year revolves around Greece in June uh, and that hasn't changed Um, what's changed yeah okay they played better against France than you thought that they maybe might have but unless you have a bonus point from that it hasn't it's the, the importance around Greece has remained the same and the slight frustration is that having 
done such a good job against France in so many ways that they don't have anything to show from it. And we talk about Holland and France. They're kind of were without a number of players. His first game of a new manager, they had a virus running through the camp. Um, you know, when later on in the year when the Dutch host France, you know, are they going to get? Uh, more than Ireland got from last Monday that leaves you in a situation that means Ireland have to to make up points in the games against the Dutch and these are the equations that are going to be key when it comes down to the top two right? Anyone anyone who has criticism of that in general okay we lost the game but if you can find any any real proper criticisms in the way Ireland approached that game tactically the way that they hung in till the end and finished really strongly albeit lost the game like you either have an agenda or you don't know what you're talking about at this stage you can't really find fault with that Ireland display against a vastly superior team team on paper. Kevin Doyle, how do we build on this? How do we get more consistency in terms of our results against the teams we'll need to take points off the Netherlands and Greece? And is there still a concern about scoring goals? Um, I think, I don't know, was it Johnny or Dan there was talking about our style of play and who were better on the counter Johnny, yeah. And that just, that is natural against the bigger teams and I feel like that's why we played well when we're the one who tries to boss the game and we have against the smaller teams. I think it's a psychological thing. We think we're the better team. We've struggled, um, and it could be something similar in Greece. So, you know, your manager look at that, and you know that'll tell me where we are more. So I felt the France game the other night as tough as it was going to be. You're playing, you're playing the best team in the world for our players. No one expected us to win. Everyone was wondering would it be four nil, three nil, five nil. So from a psychological point of view, the player it was great. It was a free, you know, a free, not a free hit out of every wow, and get great energy from not feeling any pressure. Whereas Greece we'll be under big pressure going into that game because it's been talked about for ages. I think Dan said there now, that's the one everyone's mentioned in the group all along is and get more to Greece in, in June. So psychologically, there's a lot of pressure in that game. How we perform under that pressure as regards to big crowd in Lansdowne, everyone desperate for us to do well and not expecting us to do well. So it's great if we do do well, we come out with looking great. Whereas I, I worry about us going to Greece. You know, I hope we go there and set up in a way that you know lets us play on the counter-attack takes the pressure off needing players to create because we don't have players who are going to break down the team and create umpteen chances if we have the majority possession we need to find a way that we can break use of pace with so much youth and pace in the team use that as you saw tonight against france on the counter-attack on the break we were we were looked dangerous a lot of the time so um yeah getting away that you know, Greece aren't Greece aren't great. They're have gone through a bad spell the last number of years. So it could be a case where we are the team on top and we have majority position and that is not where this team is currently at its best. Yeah, the great the great the Greece recent record is um is, is sort of funny because like Gus Poyet is there that they've had some very good one-off results in recent years but they already have a playoff in the bag for the Euros that's the that's the funny thing about it because they won their Nations League Group C they already know that no matter what happens in this group they're playing next March in a playoff um, and probably playing against and they will be playing against weaker sides than they're facing in the group this year so it's a weird one because when the group draw took you know took place I suppose Stephen Kenny's angle would have been that hopefully like Greece would like the four teams would take points off off each other that Greece would be a help and the slight that's the regret for Ireland the Ireland go to Greece first when Greece are very much in the group whereas the other teams go later on when it's possible 
you know, Greece were. It was almost in Ireland would prefer if Greece were competitive, but Ireland have to go there first and hopefully get a result that really knocks the, the Greece back. So they, but they actually have a, their record in, in qualifying groups that they've got a draw against Spain uh, away, I think. Yet they've had some poor results against weaker teams at home. So maybe a bit like uh, Ireland in the way they they they're better when they're trying to frustrate stronger opposition and, and hopefully they're in a, they're left in a little bit of limbo for the summer. I don't I don't know how you um you know you, you deal with this but remember when was it Cyprus where the Dundalk team under Stephen Kenny shipped for Larnaca I was at that, that was an afternoon kickoff though John. Yeah, an afternoon kickoff and you've also the game in in um, Azerbaijan which I wasn't at obviously. Armenia was a or, five o'clock kickoff or, or rather, yeah. so yeah. Armenia rather so. Athens is the hottest city in mainland Europe, right? And the, the way the weather patterns have been this year, this could be ferociously hot. And there's only so much any Irish team can do in that. And that would be my concern, Judy. As much as it is at night, um, you could be literally like in the warm-up for t- two seconds and you're pumping sweat. And I was thinking that coming out of the ground last night, you know, this is a real... As much as we lost the game, there's a brilliant vibe in this place. But like we could, you know, our, we, we could be basically uh, dependent on getting a result in Athens. And I, I think there's no way Ireland can approach that game both conservatively given the likely heat that we're going to endure uh, two all now between Brighton and Brentford Danny Welbeck equalising for the Seagulls and you know, Steve Cooper was under pressure going into the Forest Wolves game today but Brendan Johnson scored for Forest 1-0 they lead Wolves um, who Kevin Doyle and the Irish team is exciting you going forward in terms of maybe thinking that they're going to progress into better players uh, oh, the, the obvious ones um, Ferguson he, like he could be a top four player um he was quite in the French game, but I expected that. I didn't expect that it wasn't going to be a game for our centre forwards to excel. Um, you know, he had to go through progenial work, probably. And Stephen said, I think himself afterwards or yesterday before that, he did more work than he actually needed to do. He, he might have conserved a bit more energy instead, a little higher times. But I saw him, first time I watched him in person was Latvia. Um, he's quicker than I thought he would be. He covers the ground really well. He's very confident, but not flashy hold up play he can do like he can do all the roles you might need as an Ireland striker you know one that you might need your target man hold up in games he can get in behind he looks to drift around and you know even play a bit as a number 10 as well he seems to have a lot of abilities goals this season fabulous header of a ball great feet and skills so potential Ke- you know, Kevin why do you say he's quicker than you thought he would be I'm interested in that actually yeah, just because he's he's of his height and size, and I've seen him on TV, and I didn't think he particularly looked like lightning, and I don't think he is lightning, but he covers the ground, especially, you know, it's not one he's not one that needs to get into a stride, which usually when you're that size, you can be quick, but it takes you four or five steps. He gets across, his feet move very quick, he covers the first five yards, you know, very efficiently, I suppose I call it, quicker, deceptively quick. Um, so that would have been the thing I would have worried about being a top, top striker at his pace, but I, I wouldn't after watching him against Latvia. He's quick enough. He's he's sort of Haaland quick, not Lightning, not Mbappe. Obviously, no one really is that quick. But I don't think quick. he's Haaland quick now. I think he is. The other night, he just really surprised me how quickly he covered the ground. I was surprised. And he's only 18. He'll get mm. quicker. I hope um, I hope he is. There was that moment in the second. I don't know if you remember this, Kevin, the, where basically um, Ogbeni raided with loads of space down the right and, and Ferguson was making the run. He was just pointing, pointing, pointing. Yeah, he should have played it. And Ogbeni just, he had this momentary yeah. kind of second yeah. thoughts, held it. And I was like, I was that into the ground. I was like, that ball is on. That ball yeah. is on. That ball is on. And Ferg, it wasn't Ferguson's fault. It wasn't played. And I, I, I don't know. I, I thought some of the criticism and Ferguson was just bizarre in the sense that yeah. like I thought he I, I, I thought he actually emerged a great credit from the game no like he, he, he did what exactly what I expected in that game had to get through an awful amount of work a lot of unseen awful work 
it's a tough game. You're playing France, they have more possession. He's just doing doggies between centre halves and their midfield and trying to close down space. But yeah, that ball, he just needed a bene, wasn't it? He needed to play it in, I think, first or second touch, and he didn't. He kept, he could have put Ferguson straight in on one on one. He kept going, and he ended up pulling it back, but it was a great opportunity. And that um, my worry with Ferguson is not, he's 18, is yeah. his head. If he keeps his head, keeps his, keeps, you know, level headed, doesn't get carried away. Um, he could be a really top player. Um, it's, it's, he has all the attributes. It's, it's that side of it now, which can be the hardest bit. You know, is a lot going to be thrown at him in the next couple of years if he can keep focused on his football, keep improving. You know, um, he's only eighteen. There's so much to learn still. If he if he keeps focusing on it, um, he can be you know a real a real superstar. On that, Kevin, because you've had a, a very like good and long career. What age do you peak as a footballer, as a striker? What age do you peak generally, do you think? Um, I'd say around 25, 26-ish. Right. Um, yeah. Listen, everyone's different, aren't they? Like, Ibrahimovic was still as good at 35, I suppose, as he was at 25. Everyone's different. But uh, when you have your, your, at your quickest and sharpest and still have that pace, is around 25, 26, I think. Uh, it was for me anyway. And then you start to drop a little bit. You learn so much. You nearly learn too much, actually, as a striker. When you're younger and you're sort of Evan Ferguson's age up to 23, everything is, you know, just great and off the cuff and you can enjoy enjoy it more. And the more you get coached, the more systems and the more you play and the more, you, you know, you become involved in playing early. That's what I like about Haaland. Now people criticise he doesn't come involved, doesn't be involved in the playing. It's great. It means he'll score more goals. He doesn't need to be involved. But the, the older you get, the more you drift into becoming involved in the build-up play and in sort of enjoying that side of football instead of, you know, you're sending forward, just get in the box and let other people do that. But um, I would say mentally, physically, everything around 25, 26. Did you see the story during the week about Shane Long uh, on a podcast being unhappy about the fact that he was given Adamita the number nine shirt and at the kind of the ceremony in camp that um, I think it was a... Cleveland Kelleher and uh, Darrow Shea were given. He took, he took Kevin, after taking Kevin Doyle's number nine shirt, of course. So. Which itself was a bit of a cardinal sin. Is, is that just kind of like, is that against protocol? Like, did he, was he kind of entitled to feel hurt by, you know, he, he could he describe the experience as embarrassing and degrading. Um, like, there's no... I'm slightly biased here because I'm good friends with Shane. I was like, I was over him a couple of weeks to actually spend an hour to him, but... Uh, no, I don't think he'd like he'd have no problem with that, Shane. Like Shane's the nicest fellow you'd ever meet. I just think he wanted a little heads up from the manager beforehand to say, Oh, by the way, your your number nine shirt, um, we're gonna be handing it to or either is gonna have it in this squad or whatever. He only realized, from what I know anyway, that he took the shirt out and handed it to him and he said it was number nine. Like um, you know, he's no like he's a legend for Ireland, Shane. He's eight some caps, he's the third top goal scorer in Irish history. So I suppose like he could have deserved a little tap on the shoulder five minutes before and to say, by the way, uh, I know you're usually number nine, but we're handing it on to the next generation now before you go into the room with all your teammates and hand it over. I think that's what annoyed Shane a little bit. Mm. Um, but like, he's not he's not lost sleep over it. I think it's been uh, people talking about more than Shane is worried about it. Right. Yeah, he, he, well, he's, he said it was the one thing that stuck out from his career, though. It was like, a, if you listen to it, he was sort of quite strong about it. I, I can't wait to hear what Stephen Kenny says about it when he does because... Was it the kit man again? Well, well, no, well, no the, well, the kit man did, but no, the manager picks the number. Okay, no, that was right. established. Um, I just wonder, like, Shane Long hadn't been in the squad at all under Mick McCarthy and Dave McGoldrick had wore number nine for the entire previous campaign. Now, Shane Long hadn't been in any of the squads and McGoldrick missed this camp in Bulgaria but was back in Slovakia the next month wearing the number nine. I kind of wonder, did Kenny even twig that the number nine was 
Shane yeah. Long's shirt, which now it seems mad, really, because you know Long has obviously been in the been around. But McGoldrick, like, how far back is like? I think when Stephen Kenny came into the twenty ones job, when Mick McCarthy became the senior manager, David McGoldrick was always the number nine. Is just just some real, uh, just a complete miscommunication on a number of levels I don't know I actually I'm I'd imagine so I'd say it was Stephen just wasn't even thinking you know uh, and I'm sure if he was doing it again he might have a quick word with Shane if he realised this you know the number meant a lot to Shane I suppose um, so but I think it's you know what when you're a player lads you're so you know nowadays like I couldn't give a shit honestly but when you're a player <laughs> language please sorry for the language well when you're a player you're so you're so mentally wired, you're so, so much adrenaline, so much whatever, you're so, like, you're on edge all the time, mm. you're so constantly on that, you know, aware of criticism, aware of everything, you're constantly every day being, you know, whatever, judged and interviewed, and you're just so psyched up that little things can annoy you and put you off, and it, it won't, in a few, you know, I, I don't think Shane cares about it now, or in a few years he won't, like, but you just at the time when you're, you know, I'm sure he's in that squad, and you you're just full. You're 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 on a knife edge when you're fully fit and playing, and you're just you you um, you you see things differently than you do when you're not playing and you're finished playing. When I'm you know like me now, I see things differently, and uh, things wouldn't get to me near as much as they would have done when I was you know uh, full blown athlete mode. I think um, Kenny's man management would be well known, um, you know, and so I presume Shane Long approached him about this rather than reveal it for the first time in his wife's podcast or whatever it was, because you know I presume that would have been the normal thing to do. Because if you have an issue with it, bring it up with Stephen Kenny. But maybe a, maybe it's because he's gone now. He's gone a couple of years, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, like I, I don't know. I just thought it was like it was a bit strange. Shane Long was very averse to giving interviews, which is absolutely fine. But like. Why? Why bring this up? Like at at this particular time when I don't know to give us juicy copy and juicy talking. <laughs> I, I think it's a non-story, but it's also like, well, bring it up with Stephen Kenny, and then maybe it's go just. On. More, but I think it's I think it's, it's more actually. Indeed, like, I don't you know, know what's interesting with the story is what Kevin's just said there. The kind of the obsession uh, and like you know the, the 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 real kind of focus that you have as a footballer and the, and and maybe it's a status as well. Like I've, I've got the mm. number. Like was it a thing for you when you're playing, Kevin? Like that you had the jersey that you was like, are you? I'm holding on to this number. Um. Would Ireland know? I, like, apart from number nine point of view, with me it didn't matter. Like, I just I wasn't that big into numbers at, uh, when I was like, I was at Reading or Wolves. Mick was trying to give me the number nine. Mick McCarthy at Wolves was trying to give me to say number nine. I didn't want it. Uh, and at Reading, um, they they made me take the number nine after my first season there. When I again, you know, it was more like the numbers in the back didn't really bother me. But some players it does, and I think you know again. Shane, honestly, he's the nicest man in the world. It, I, whatever was ways I didn't listen to the podcast, or whatever. I'm sure he didn't mean it to come out like it's like it came out or whatever. I would say he was just a bit peed off that you know he'd been number nine or whatever in the Ireland squad. The, the FAI were selling jerseys with his name and number on it for a good number of years or whatever, and that he would have liked to suppose that just a little heads up, you're not number nine anymore. When he would have been in the squad and when he was fit, he was I suppose just given that number. Um, and this was the first time that didn't happen. So um, I, and I'd say Stephen Kenny, had, as you said, and, and given out the circumstances, how McGoldrick had had it and the build up to that and different things, I'd say Stephen as well just didn't realise. So probably just a total cross, uh, 
Yeah, I, I didn't listen to the podcast either, so maybe it could be out of context. I, I know, know I listened to it. No, I, I did listen to the whole thing. Like he, like you know, it was clear because he, he said he rang his his wife, who, who who she spoke about her sharing his upset at the time. So it was, they did speak about it. It's not taken out of context. To be fair, like it was within the context of their chat. I mean, Shane Long did say, "Here's an exclusive for you at the end of it." So they did. Yeah. And maybe he's just trying to get his wife podcast out there. And he, <laughs> yeah, we're all talking about it. He has, he, he has succeeded. It. Kevin, just before we go, are you looking forward to the flat season? I know you're big into the horses. Yeah, I am actually. I, I'm not one who's one mat like I breed jumps horses. I don't have any flat breads, but I love I love watching all horse racing. I'm not I'm not one that goes all right. Jumps jump season is coming to an end now. We'll watch race until next October. And no, I'll be watching the flat. Yeah. Did you enjoy Chatham? I did. I really enjoyed it. I didn't go. I was in my local pub um, for three three of the days um, down for three or four hours uh, a couple of bets and a couple of points and yeah yeah that suit me now I went to check them a good few times when I was in England good number of years and I've seen it done it it's it's, it's, it's good fun now for me just to be in the local I, more. I used to meet the Wolves squad I met the one time I was there I met the Wolves squad were all out I don't think Kevin Doyle was oh, with them at God. that time it was in Burger King I was and there's a couple of lads were there at the end of the uh the, the day out so yeah, I think it's a big Midlands football pilgrimage to Chatham I think isn't uh, it? So. yeah you know what if things are going well it's like we're going to go and celebrate a good season sort of that time of year and if things are going bad it's a we need to go do a team bonding session <laughs> <laughs> during the day so every sort of excuse to get there it's like the Simpsons yeah all the good students will be rewarded with an archaeological dig all the crap students will be punished by an archaeological dig <laughs> we, we gotta leave it there Kevin Doyle legend thanks so much cheers John cheers lads uh, migration at 18 to 1 uh, the uh, fairy tale in New York price has won the Lincoln the big race of the day at Doncaster just to let you know and Ireland uh, the women's team are trading France 17-3 in the TikTok Six Nations in the Premier League Arsenal 1-0 up against Leeds at half time other scores Bournemouth 0 Fulham 1 Brighton 2 Brentford 2 Crystal Palace 0 Leicester 0 Nottingham Forest 1 Wolves 0 plenty more discussion on the Republic of Ireland with David Connolly joining Dan Johnny and myself between 4 and 5 we'll keep you right up to date as well with what's happening everywhere else in Football Saturday don't go away and you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with the three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us on five three one zero six. Tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation as well. Listen on News Talk across the country on your radio. Also, watch us on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Just to bring you up to date on scores in other sports. France twenty seven, Ireland three now in the Women's Six Nations at Musgrave Park. Um, in the seven series for the women, Australia twenty four, Ireland five. A result from earlier on. Uh, that was in Hong Kong. So Ireland going into the fifth to eighth place playoffs. In the Champions Cup, a bad result for Munster. 50 points to 35. They lost to the Sharks in Durban. They're out of the competition in the last 16. Remember, Leinster, Ulster, kick off at half five at Lansdowne Road. Stormer 17, Harlequin 7, a latest score. In the Challenge Cup, Connacht 21-12 down to Treviso. Uh, in the Division... 3A hurling final Ross Common beat Armagh 217 to 15 points in Navan it is Cavan 11 points H, uh, Leitrim 8 in Abbottstown uh, Max Verstappen's on pole for the Australian Grand Prix and the Lincoln won by 18 to 1 shot migration we have on the line the former Republic of Ireland striker David Connolly with Dan and Johnny in studio David how are you? 
Uh, good afternoon, John and everyone else. Dan and Johnny, hope you're well. Hope you're well. Uh, David, just going to bring some text out about Ireland. Um, we're not direct enough. Some decent football, but we need to bring more direct approach into our play. A few times the night, we played good balls down the line, which Ogbené and others exploited and got us up the pitch. Also, this tactic where we have five players in our box at kickouts is awful and rarely produces anything but trouble. I'm all for better football, but you also have to play to your strengths and weaknesses, says Tom. I love the show every Saturday and uh, this is another one of our texters and lads Darashay turning on side for goal wasn't too clever made himself smaller good performance and more practical approach than Kenny normally adopts a real test in Greece as Mick in Black Rock uh, what are the panel's thoughts and Shane Long's comments well, we got them from Kevin Doyle Johnny Ward is right lads you can't really find fault with the display against France but they still lost they must now start backing up performances with the results performance is only going to get them so far says Niall and hi lads any constructive criticism for Stephen Kenny this era or how they play or is it all just really encouraging says one of our texters <laughs> uh, well I would say obviously constructive criticism can you back up the performances against teams that might be ranked less than France can we score more goals can we actually have consistent results but David Connolly what did you make of Monday? Um, look, I watched it with uh, with my two boys, and um, you know, I thought we did we did by and large really, really well. I mean, there was a couple of things I I did a piece on radio after um, <clears throat> that I picked up on, and and you know, only minor things, right? Because you, you know, if we're playing the likes of France, we, we, we you know we're going to do very well to 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 run them close to you know a draw, keeping the score down, and offering the odd threat. And I thought we'd done that. Saying that, I felt Stephen at times got caught between a rock and a hard place. So his starting team was 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 one thing, right? But I think he was hampered or handcuffed by lack of minutes from a lot of players because, I mean, it's no surprise. I think, uh, you know, say Ferguson not involved today. I don't think that's a surprise. It's, I was watching that game and he looked spent at times. And you got to remember, I mean, I've been in that position as a teenager. You get a lot of attention. Um, he had the attention on him against Latvia and it was almost like he had to start him, right? Which is one thing, but he only had to start him because the the other alternatives, I just haven't had enough game time to go and play against France. In my view, in my view. So he had to play him. But actually, I think Everton might have been better off maybe not starting that French game, in all honesty, and then coming off the bench because he looked spent like physically and I think emotionally, it, like it takes a lot out of you when there's so much attention. Now you might say, oh, it takes it only stride." Okay, maybe, but I, I think Stephen could do with obviously the lads getting more minutes to give him more options. So that's one thing. So I, I felt he had to play the team that that he played, even though really it might not have been. It might have been better for Evan to come on for the last half an hour, maybe rather than starting it, rather than being the battering ram, taking those two massive centre halves, kicking lumps out of him for an hour to then come off when we might need a goal. But anyway, that's that. And then the Sorry, other just to interrupt, just before the other point, Arsenal scored a second goal, David, against Leeds, Ben White, the defender. Ah, well, look, I mean, also got, they left Saka on the side, right? Yeah. A lot of game, a lot of game time, a lot of minutes. I'm sure you touched on that. But anyway, and then the, the, the only two other thing is, we're going to get a lot of free kicks. We're going to put a lot of balls in the box from corners and free kicks. I thought there was no creativity on them. I was really disappointed in them. And it was almost, I was at a, a game today, uh, Luton Watford, you know, that's why I'm a, a bit late coming back. But, um, you know, I looked at the, the defensive line from both teams. Now, I, co- I contrasted that with the French line. The French line set up almost on top of Mike Mannion, their goalkeeper. 
they knew the ball was coming in on top of them and they got their defenders in a position to head it away from a deep position. You ask any centre-half, that's where they want to be. They didn't want to they be do a decoy it. in the first half though, David, that went wrong they, where they did a completely different corner. Yeah. That didn't work. No, exactly. No, but the corners is one thing. Okay, let's, let's go. Okay, rewind it with the free kicks. I'll go with the wide free kicks because we had an awful lot of wide free kicks and all we did was punt it straight into the box. There was no variation to change the angle to drag that defence out a little bit, a bit higher, so there's a bit more space in behind their defensive line. To me, it was they knew what was coming. Now, you might say, well, what's coming might be the best that we can do, but I think we can alter that angle to make it a little bit harder for teams because we're a bit predictable. But saying that, I thought the kickoff in the second half was bright. We took a different kickoff. I've never seen us take a kickoff like that. And that was really bright. We took one little pass within the D, uh, square pass out wide, bang, we're at France. I was like, that is, now that's really good. But by the same token, in-game management, did Stephen and his staff know that France were going to have such a deep defensive line on free kicks? But did, do we, like, so. David, if we, if we were to change that, say Josh Cullen, who's not, not an amazing delivery, say if we had, we, do, we didn't have a left foot alternative really. Like, did the left foot no, players what, were just injured basically? Yeah, but what we could, I mean, we could work, there's so many, look, there's so many variations. I mean, did, you know, where to start in, in, you know, I saw Bournemouth do one to win, to go up in the championship last season. A, a, a clever free kick that deceived like everyone. There's my point being, if you're just saying, is that is that all we can do? Lump the ball in the box. I think we've got a bit of an issue because that might be our one time to go and score a goal. Might be a wide free kick. It might be a corner. And and I just didn't I didn't like the lack of uh, variation, but also in game seeing that where their defensive line was, we could have almost tried something where we roll it into people on the edge of the box. We fake to put it in deep, but we don't do that. Uh, look, you're asking me to pick holes, so I'm picking holes. This is this is me looking at it, picking holes. And I think one of your comments was from someone else. They said about us five in the line at the back or whatever and then going long. That's where Stephen got caught. If we're not playing out or if we're going to play out and put under pressure and go long, there was a massive gulf in the middle of the park at times. Look, we covered it okay in the end. But if we're going to play direct, then we just need to get everyone up the pitch, get our midfield up, get our back unit up. But we were so worried about the pacing behind of the counter, the pace that France possessed, that we were so deep. And it then meant if we weren't going to play out, the pitch was so stretched. We had, I was watching it, my son going, look at, look how stretched we are. We're all over the pitch. There was a lot of ground for us to cover because we didn't want to be high. So it, it, there was a couple of things. And I, I, no, I thought, by and large, I thought it was really, really good. Loads of positives to take. You asked me to pick a couple of holes and they're the bits and pieces I found. Yeah, I the set pieces one is, is interesting, all right? Like I, because listening to Kenny speaking during the week um, in a couple of the conferences about the match, he did reference the French height a few times and like they actually are a pretty big team. If you think about it, like Ireland aren't, okay, they clearly have the, the back three, you know, and Egan is a presence, you know, <laughs> Collins O'Shea, um, but you look at the midfield three, you know, like Malumbi, Knight, um, Cullen, like that's why I think even in a bit of the training uh, the day before the game, I think Jeff Hendrick was being swapped in a little bit with the the sort of the first team, and I think you know I part of me was thinking I wonder even are we going to see Hendrick here just to have an extra threat, and then um, because I think that was a point I think I'm not sure where they convinced how to hurt France, and I wasn't shocked to see them try the short one. I was actually thinking okay, uh, and it's almost like that didn't work and they abandoned that, or you know they just they just they were just there was almost those that sense of no let's just. Put, you know, let's let's just try something a little bit more straightforward. But as as David says, I mean, 
one thing I would say about the other night is if the game had finished on 80 minutes I don't know what the analysis would have been of it you know compared to what it was now it's a 90 minute game so like I mean <laughs> you know that's it you debate the uh, the whole game in its entirety and, and Gary Breen made the point um, his point in, in the column in our paper was very much that um, he didn't understand any of the criticism of the changes because for him the whole point was getting to that last 10 minutes at one goal and then football happens you know teams naturally drop off but like Ireland didn't have a huge amount of joy but then, like as it happens, the Nathan Collins chance at the end is from a dead ball. You sort of you move away from that debate of the set pieces, but I think it's actually a fair point to to, to discuss them and, and say. And yeah, some of the free kick deliveries were a little bit um, lofted to the back post, and and it was sort of a similar pattern with them. But um, they don't actually have like I mean, Josh Cullen was taking a lot of them. I think. I don't know if you were to take the whole Ireland squad um, and sort of do a pecking order of like dead ball deliveries where he would be if you could have them all on the pitch you know um, that would have been a slight thought I would have had 53106 and also on YouTube and uh, on Twitter at Off The Ball if you want to get in touch Jerry Barron on YouTube really good analysis of the performance of David Connolly Ferguson was lost up front on his own a bit unfair to expect miracles from this young player he may have been better as a sub Shane says amazing to hear any criticism towards the performance against France a team full of Championship League one and a few Premier League players stayed in the game for 90 minutes versus an all Champions League side and earlier on Liverpool who lost 4-1 to Manchester City today Kieran O'Connor heavy metal football is the most in the most challenging league in the world is not sustainable well, I think it's sustainable if you replenish the squad on a regular basis and maybe Klopp hasn't been doing that as much as he can maybe hamstrung in that regard by the, 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 the money he has David's made. point I mean, about John, um, David sorry David's point David. about um, Ferguson like he may, he may well be right if, like if you were to bring on say Evan for the last half an hour 25 minutes but the alternatives simply weren't really there so Adam Ida wasn't coming in anywhere near capable of playing 90 minutes you're not going to play Obafemi up front I imagine against France his own so as much as I was all for Ferguson starting I see where he's come from but the alternatives weren't really there even for him to do that if he wanted strong finish and all this game was about staying in there if we, if we go a goal behind stay in there have a bit of a grandstand finish our XG from those two corners alone should have yielded a goal and if you remember of a Lumbee shot that was blocked and was a uh, brown shot that he kind of snatched out across the box these are actually decent half chances and and if you went on the game and you took out the scoreline we did really really well because if you throw that into the mix we probably should have gotten something out of that game and I, I had a very very little fall with the way we approached it David Connolly yeah, no, well, the, the, I concur. The, the only thing I was going to say is, we, we, look, we love watching the Premier League and we're talking about it and, and all that sort of stuff, right? You know, I went into Brentford when I was doing my uh, uh, co- my coaching pro license, you know. Now, Brentford have had a set-piece specialist for about five years. Now, we all know, we hear of Liverpool bringing in a throwing specialist. So my point being, right, at club level, all, all the, 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 the Premier League clubs... They have. They will be going through with a specific, you know, uh, set piece coach or throwing coach. Now, uh, all all I'm saying is that for for when we play these sides, that uh, it might be difficult to create clear cut chances. We might win fouls. We might win free kicks. We had the chance from the corner, but the chance from the corner came. For, it's a much easier ball to head. Um, uh, Nathan's coming onto that ball from a, an area where I'm saying, can we develop the ball into that area? And we need a bit of creativity, even with our, our set pieces. So that's up to Stephen and his staff in game or pre game to go. You might work on something pre game, but it might not work because yeah. of the defensive position of that French line. Mm. But in game, you've got to recognize that. And that could be the 
the, the little one percenters that make the difference. You see, very uh, briefly d- last night, Damien Duff references Rory yeah. Higgins because they got them on a set piece. They've got them on a complete like uh, it was a set piece move that they did. Damien Duff was done by Rory Higgins. Shells couldn't defend the corner because Derry had something planned and it decided the game. We'll talk about Damien Duff and maybe some of his comments later on. Arsenal have got a third against Leeds and Gabriel Jesus back in the team now has got two today. A nice intricate move. He got the first in the penalty spot and he's got the second now early in the second half. So finishing the move there for Arsenal. They're going to go eight points clear at the top of the Premier League with every single week. It just feels like they maybe have more of a chance of winning this title than City do. You know, as long as you get to the line, JD. Just to go back to the the the, the point um, about maybe what do you see different from this Ireland team going forward? And it's a bit of what we spoke about with Kevin Doyle before. Um, before form we've sort of picked it up a bit with some of those comments see the thing is the, the, the two big home games remaining at the stadium this year are naturally going to be different and, and I'm just thinking about this during the week again like Ireland are playing uh, the Netherlands here on the 10th of September now three days previously Ireland played France away on the Thursday which is a mad week when you think about it it's like you know it's uh, in terms of sort of two high quality um, qualifiers back to back in that short space of time even go back in time there would have been a bigger gap between games in a window Um, and you'd imagine Ireland would go to France and do something try and do something similar in that game you know try and and probably try and replicate the game plan to as much as you can I'd imagine that's incredibly draining on the players in in particular in certain positions on the pitch you know the the Knight Ogbené so when Ireland then come to this big game in Dublin against the Netherlands where you feel like it's probably still a game they're going to need to win then we're going to see how this team responds to that situation and similarly like a month later Greece come and hopefully Ireland are still in contention then that's again a home game and this is where you'll see the evolution of being good at containing versus how you um, you know develop a plan where you have to, to, to show a little bit more to try and win a game and even just to balance in your options and squad you know, as well your like. squad for those two games is going to be um, a hell of a challenge you might have to sacrifice some players for the first game of that double header you know at the expense of you know you know you sort of you, you can't use them in the second one and that's that there's all the parts of the equation that are going to come into the rest of this campaign but what I'm saying is we're talking about replicating Monday in some ways but I think the Irish approach in the, the, the next two big games in the Aviva is naturally going to be different for a number of reasons don't, don't underplay as well JD just the, the, the feeling that um, I had and so many people had at that game the other night the noise and the passion behind that team and the old ole olays that were going around the ground I'm glad they didn't play put under pressure I was they happy didn't play put under pressure this is your, this is your big thing John uh, 30, yeah. it's 33 years ago and yeah. Yeah. the Latvia game they were playing it and I'm glad they didn't play it and now of the, course the soundtrack is actually very very good the Venter Sandman and they've a lot ah, of it. it's a good pre-match uh, I think like the, the serious thing is a brilliant as well that, that Alan Parsons sing you know that, that music that they introduced the, the players numbers by which the rugby uh, took there as well for the England how game how does it go do, 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 do. You know that you know that, that's a terrible impression of it, but it's not a great one. Um, no, it's, no, it's no. kind of a guess to tune from a bad impression. Kind of, <laughs> but, um, no, I I don't know. I I, I was I wasn't. No, I suppose sure. what it says is the fans are behind the team. Oh, uh, and uh, in, uh, in the ground, I think they can relate to the fact that you know it's not a team of stars. Like we don't have we don't have many Premier League players. We have a young manager that's he's a uh, sorry yeah, a manager young. who's he's he's not young actually, but he's a manager who's come from he's a completely <clears throat> working class background, League of Ireland background. 
there's no real fanfare. He's not one of these managers that was brought in on two or three million a year. And a sheep's skin um, coat. And a, you know, he's he's a man of the people. And I think whether I I, th- I think there was a vibe in the ground the other night that I I can't quite put my finger on. And if 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 honestly, if Collins had scored that goal, the place would have gone. And if 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 Evan Ferguson manages to get a goal in a competitive game, the place was it was just it was on an edge, and it was like a Monday night. It wasn't like everyone was like um you know boozing and and like was in this kind of like oh I'm I'm going mad here. It was a Monday night, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric. We we had Robbie Benson on during the week uh, on our podcast, and the first thing he referenced about the game was the atmosphere, and it was like wow, I, I really it was it was really really moving, and that's the stuff you live for even if you lose a game. Uh, we got goals going in in the Premier League, so as we said, Arsenal three leads nil. Jesus scoring twice today. Man City beat Liverpool four one earlier. Bournemouth won Fulham on now, so Marcus Tavernier has equalised for the Cherries at the Vitality Stadium. Brighton to Brentford three, so a third goal for Brentford scored by Ethan Pinnock. A Crystal Palace won Leicester one. Remember Roy Hodgson back at Palace trying to keep them up. Ricardo Pereira put the Foxes in front, and an Everson own goal has equalised the game for Palace. Forest won Wolves nil. Brennan Johnson, that fella, Brennan Johnson, he's a quality player. I don't know. I can see him ending up at a bigger club. Chelsea Villa play at half five in the Championship earlier on. It ended Luton two, Watford nil. David Connolly was at that game. A Preston three, Blackpool one. A result as well. Latest scores: Birmingham nil, Blackburn nil. It's Bristol City 1, Reading nil. It is Cardiff 1, Swansea 2. Coventry nil, Stoke 2. Huddersfield 3, Middlesbrough 1. Hull nil, Rotherham nil. Norwich nil, Sheffield United 1. West Brom nil, Millwall nil and Wigan 1, QPR nil. Yeah, I should mention Danny Mandrew has scored in the in League One for Lincoln away to promotion chase than Sheffield went. That's actually a big afternoon in the Championship, JD, because at half time Middlesbrough won it up at, at Huddersfield and Sheffield United were drawing away at Norwich and they were, there was a point between them. Uh, but the swing with Sheffield United winning and Middlesbrough falling apart, it's now six points. So Sheffield United, John Egan playing and the Stevens injured at the moment. Um, but actually, we talk about the Irish Premier League quota, which is this, you know, come September, you know, you want, if you, you know, September. October you could have more lads involved in the Premier League it helps because at the moment in terms of outfield players it's really just Seamus Coleman and Evan Ferguson uh, and Nathan Collins when he's involved but I mean Josh Cullen's coming up Obafemi's coming up presuming that deal all goes through and potentially John Egan and and, and the Stevens as well Well I did a thing uh, this morning I went through the teams and uh, Monday and the clubs to play for so Ireland uh, the other night the starting team Southampton Wolves Sheffield United West Bromwich Albion Everton West Bromwich Albion Burnley Derby County Atletico Madrid Rotherham United United, Brighton and Hove Albion and then for France AC Milan Bayern Munich Liverpool Bayern Munich AC Milan Atletico Madrid Real Madrid Juventus Eintracht Frankfurt AC Milan and Paris Saint-Germain and, and it's, it's, you can get these international teams that are just going through a rut they don't trust the coach they're in a mess like maybe the Dutch are maybe they aren't they didn't perform against France this was France like they, they, they were off an absolute hammering of the Netherlands off nearly winning the World Cup they were basically it was nearly an optimum French performance and we had them really really on the rack at the end and it wasn't like lumping the ball into the box um, we, we actually had a game plan and I, I, I anecdotally Didier Deschamps would have said to Stephen Kenny afterwards he was very impressed with the way that we played and he was surprised at this New Ireland uh, thing but obviously we do have to um, the one thing I would say is right, the Stephen Kenny thing blah blah blah, blah. if Stephen Kenny isn't in the job after the Euros or, or isn't the job it, it, it's not the be all and end all he's bringing us on a passage and with the underage players that we have and with the revolution um, that's fallen from Brexit and players playing in this country um, we'll be okay going forward we're going to take our place in the nations of the world finally after being years and years of being um, second rate I, I think going forward um, things are looking good regardless of what happens in this campaign and regardless of where Stephen Kenny is uh, 53106 free from desires 26 year, years old JD just saying good. 
Um, I just think that like we will need to move on from this ole ole. No, put them under pressure. Johnny, like or JD, like I mean, there is moments before an Ireland game where the that sort of first couple of bars to put them under pressure comes in. And it's pretty good. Mind you, ninety nine. Like maybe though. it doesn't need to be before every game, you know. But I don't. I don't. I, I'm not. A, we qualify. I think if like the qualify, Aviva PA stuff is so objectionable a lot of the time. Like yeah, actually, you know. no. I think the soundtrack's really good for the soccer matches. Ah, uh, Enter Sandman, uh, Metallica, fantastic stuff. Mm. I, 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 what's the tune they play at the Newcastle games? Um, but um, Alan Shearer is a local hero. Local, local hero. hero, I love yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I actually remember going to St. James Park in a stag, and of course we were late, so I missed it. Like, um, I got in time for the Marseillaise the other night, JD. There was no stopping me. David Connolly, were you a man who noticed um, theme tunes? Was there anything at a um, fine order? Yeah. Uh, well, Wigan or I mean, Sunderland or any places? I, I was sitting here on the side listening because. I read a few things this week and I wouldn't say they offended me, you know, but <laughs> I took exception to them because, you, you know, I, uh, you know, and we're talking about the atmosphere around the, around, around the team at the minute and, you know, that's been generated and, you know, Stephen Kenny and, you know, local lad. And I don't know, it, it, sometimes you look at that and, and I think it, I, I, it was a journalist who said, you know, that this current Irish team would know that the women qualified for the World Cup or that Bows were top of the league, and and I just so so it's I guess from 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 someone who played for Ireland, but you know, born in London, and and you just look at it and you're sort of thinking, well, uh, you, you know, is that intimating that previous Ireland squads, you know, because we didn't have um, someone like Stephen in charge, we might have had a Mick McCarthy who also you know would play lots of young Irish players like there is now, young Irish players or from wherever they are. So I just thought, well, are you insinuating that the lads there wouldn't know, um, you know, whether Irish rugby was doing well or <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I, I love it's, this actually. You know, it's a, it's a, it's very nuanced, but it's a, it's it, a fair it point could, he's making. You could you could be a little bit offended. I, I took exception because I thought, well, you know, at that time when we were playing, you know, I wouldn't know if, if um, you know, our women's football is a lot different than it was twenty years ago, you know, but we would have close. Uh, affiliations with the rugby lads and you know I'd be mates with some of the rugby players and you know and all this sort of stuff and just because you know we we, we, we you know would we know if Bows were top or <laughs> Galway were top of the first division or, they are as well that, yeah, that I know they are yeah that's what I mean but would would you know so I just don't know maybe some of it you mentioned Gary Bean with some of the players who played when we played 20 years ago I think well that's a bit harsh because you're kind of insinuating that you can warm to these to this team because is it more perceived to be Absolutely from, not. From our, from no, my, okay. no, but yeah. this is what we're. This is what it looks like when you're when you're reading that. And if I don't say it, then I, uh, there might be some people who were like me who will be going, "Well, actually, that's how I construed that to be that maybe you know the the, the behind this team more because is it more no no based in Ireland? Okay, rather can than, I play the devil's advocate? Okay, so yeah. what it was was David in your time and particularly before that, obviously in ninety and that we had very very good players, right? It didn't matter that they were a lot of them, you know, were the grandparent rule or whatever. We the the love that the country had for that team. I was I remember nineteen ninety. I remember nineteen ninety four especially. Well, they were magic days. Nineteen ninety. I don't think the country will ever be like it was because we're coming out of the crap of the eighties and with something to be proud of, and it's been well documented. I think 
uh, Irish football has gone through an extremely bad period in so many ways that I think people lost interest um, the way the game was run people were alienated and also the fact that the team um, wasn't very good and was playing a horrible brand of football and now I think this team is a refreshing move away from that and that's overseen by Stephen Kenny who's a guy that you can like that isn't on huge money and is trying to get us to play the right way I don't think it's anything to do with your background I just think it's what we've come to to this in the last sort of 10 or 15 years No no I, 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 I get that look Vera Powell's from Holland like, yeah you know, I see what David's is, saying here is, yeah it's a kind of contradiction within what was said but anyway like I, I understand all that but, but I just looked and I thought well you know well, I, we're I not playing no man you know, no, no, yeah. but okay, but I, I see what David's saying. Sometimes the tone of some of the stuff, and I'm, I am also conscious of this. And like, and Stephen Kenny's had this as well with some comments about like how previous teams played. It has offended people without a shadow of a doubt. Like, and there's no yeah. avoiding that. And I see. I think this is the. It is such a delicate subject matter in some ways because I can understand how some of the commentary could be perceived as very insulting to previous players, particularly you know the likes of say. David or, or Gary Breen or whoever it might be um, that like the, the, the insinuation that the team now is in some way more Irish or something you know there's almost that sort which, of which not undertone case, to it see, see I think part of where it comes from it's like it's it's there is no doubt that probably there was a detachment with the international team that existed as Johnny alludes to in recent times, at, at particular windows, and I don't know. I'm not sure what the what, what the root of that was. Was it style of play? Was it um, the, the the financial sort of mismanagement of the FAI? You know, was it the sense that sometimes there's no doubt that there would have been probably sections of the football community here that would have been very offended when someone like Trapattoni, who was beloved to many people, but then did say, albeit through his translation, like there is no league in Ireland. You know, and there's a lot of people in football in Ireland who see the international team manager say that and they think well I actually don't relate to this you know this is my team it's my country it's my flag it's my jersey or whatever but if that's an opinion that exists whatever the reasons behind it and how he meant it to come across and you know is there a truth in terms of you know picking players for his side um and I suppose that what you've seen in recent years is maybe more people who are disenchanted with the national team are more invested in it. But sometimes the commentary around that can be exaggerated to the point that it can be offensive to you know Irish qualified players from overseas who who love the team and just as Irish, you know, and, and exactly. just, just as Irish as anybody point, exactly. who's in this no, country. I'm not, I know. think that's part of where it comes from. And I can I don't know the piece that David's referencing there, um, but I can see how that that could be. Um, that could be uh, something that would wind you up. 53106, thank God for David being willing to talk about how he can improve. Sometimes listening to Johnny talk about Kenny is akin to listening to Dunphy about Andy Reid. There are fans <laughs> that are happy just because Kenny's a League of Ireland stock, we pass the ball, and there are those who want to win a game. I think we want both. I think you want good style of play and you want to win matches. You know, I, 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 see, I see where that criticism's come from. Like, You're I, very I, positive today, Johnny. You're I, definitely I'm, very positive I, today. I mean, what, what would you give Stephen Kenny's reign? Like a... A C, maybe a B. He's got, he's got four. four he's coming he's back four, to the manager got, the whole no, time. He's the got four, but he's got four competitive wins in twenty-two matches. Yeah, so I, I'm not. I'm not being unrealistic here. I am. I've a soft spot for Stephen Kenny because I would have gotten to know him a bit throughout the League of Ireland and what he did at Dundalk um, gave me great pride as a League of Ireland fan and I I am more invested in the Stephen Kenny coached Ireland than I have been for probably 20 years I, I, I have to say I did lose interest to an extent before Mick came along that was grand I hated the way we played in Cardiff uh, an article that was referenced today by um, a match that was referenced today by Kevin Kilban that got us on the way to 
the Euros I, I was in Cardiff that night World Cup playoff the, the World Cup, Cup playoff rather I hated that I absolutely hated that Ireland could um, be reduced to caveman football to that extent it's all well and good we were playing Wales away and we were disgraced football that night I don't want to sound like game don't that's, that's a bit over the top I, 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 that is over the top to be fair he said it at the time he's not, oh, he's not man, revisionistic we, we I mean, didn't pass the ball for 20 minutes we won the game we won the game yeah where, where did we go after that we went to the Denmark playoff <laughs> yeah. and all fell apart <laughs> but so um, I, I would be a little bit um, invested in the Stephen Kenny thing but that's not to say like and it, you know Dan is a bit like me Dan has followed the League of Ireland beat for a long time Dan wants it to work out but that won't stop Dan saying at the end of this campaign um, from a very impartial perspective if this uh, if we should have a new manager or not and I'm the same I'd hope I'd be fair on that I'm not, not too much like Johnny just to clarify that David Connie, do you want to say anything or will we take a break? Here? No, no, no <laughs> apart, I, I hate you, apart from I think when Stephen had lost nine games in a row I was still champion, champion him you know so I think it's um you, you, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a, a very, very much a long-term project for him. And as long as they see it like that, you know, as long as they see it like that. So, um, okay. Yeah. We've gotten the group. Yeah, we, we, I think we need to get, get there, but can, he cannot say he got, he didn't get a fair crack. Can, can I just say, can I just say as well that for me, like the best thing that can happen to Irish football in the next period of time is that you get away from the whole faction stuff about someone is League of Ireland or someone is this. Don't, or someone don't, is am that. I going to say those two no. words? I don't want to say the two words. You know what the two words are? What are they? Culture wars. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, 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 but, but I think that's the thing. It's so it's so much like it's, it's it holds back football in Ireland so, in so many different ways. Like, what camp are you from, or what? Where is your opinion coming from? Like, who are you? You know, where? Like, that's to me the aspiration, and even that's like, well, Stephen Kenny. Well, he's a League of Ireland man, and I, I, part of me sort of cringes a little bit when you hear that because you just have to get to the point where everything is under the same umbrella. You know, everyone is just part of the same equation. Um, as opposed to you, so what you'll hear now is if it doesn't work out for Stephen Kenny well, we can't go for someone like that again you have to go for That's it's, all, it's all labels and it's all sort of yeah. you know very I, 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 that was part of our I, I would feel though that I would feel now that there's less of a divide like I would no, feel I, I would feel that people are now are able to be able to do two things be into the Premier League oh, no, it's, I don't even want to go that road yeah, but, like, not, there were 50,000 people screaming for that goal the other night they didn't give a crap who Stephen Kenny was they're supporting Ireland and they like this team That's it's, it's not about Stephen Kenny to the extent that it was 25 games ago whatever uh, in the Premier League Arsenal 3 leads nil uh, so the Gunners uh, still you know flying high Bournemouth 1 Fulham 1 Brighton 2 Brentford 3 Crystal Palace 1 Leicester 1 Forest 1 Wolves 0 Chelsea Villa is a half 5 start in the Championship our results from earlier on Luton 2 Watford 0 Preston 3 Blackpool 1 uh, Birmingham 1 Blackburn nil is the latest and these are later scores as well Bristol City 1 Reading 1 Cardiff 1 Swansea 2 Coventry 0 Stoke 3 Will Smallbone goal for Stoke I want to talk about him in a moment yeah. actually uh, Huddersfield 4 Middlesbrough 1 Hull nil Rotherham nil Norwich nil Sheffield United 1 West Brom nil Millwall nil and Wigan 1 QPR nil just before we go to the break David Connolly Will Smallbone comes in first start against Latvia man of the match looks very composed on the ball is he somebody that you think should be in the Irish team sooner rather than later on a regular basis well yeah I mean um, I know obviously a little bit about him from from my time at Southampton just in terms of talking to you know some of the staff that were still there I was only at Southampton a, a few weeks ago um and yeah I think he's he's terrific I mean he's got he's got that he takes that extra second in possession and has that that calmness about him when he's in possession of the ball that that I think uh, you know you look at the position that he plays he could absolutely be a a, a really really good player for us it would just depend on how we line up formation wise, how we get him in the team. That would, that would be the thing. Um, 
So, um, but I, I think, yeah, he looks, he looks uh, brilliant. He looks really, really good. And uh, yeah, we know, everyone, I think, yeah, everyone's known about him for a long, long time, haven't we? But I thought he's excellent against Lapio, played exactly as you'd expect him to play. I know his manager loves him, says he's a sponge for learning, um, only wants to improve, huge into his football. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a little bit of everything, right? Stature. He's got good height. He's athletic. You know, excellent on the ball. Really smart. Plays terrific passes. Now he looks. He looks super. Okay, got to take a break. David Conley, Dan McDonnell, and Johnny Ward. If you want to get in touch with us, five three one six across the three centre back in a moment. This is Football Saturday, all the way till five. John Duggan with you with David Connolly, the former Republic of Ireland striker, Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent, and Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. 34 3 France lead Ireland in the Women's Six Nations. And remember, we got Leinster, Ulster, half five at the Aviva. 38 19, Treviso lead Connacht. So Munster and Connacht going out of, in inverted commas, the European competitions. Uh, this afternoon Leeds are pulling back against Arsenal through Christensen so 3-1 Arsenal lead now um, Cavan winning by a point in the Division B3 final of the Hurling 17 points to 16 against Leitrim just some goals going in as well in the Premier League um, we have uh, Bournemouth now 2-1 up against Fulham Dominic Solanke for Bournemouth Arsenal 3 leads 1 as I said Brighton 2 Brentford 3 Crystal Palace 1 Leicester 1 Forest 1 Wolves 0 the League of Ireland. So, Shamrock Rovers got off the mark last night. Good win at Nodok. And Damien Duff, after the defeat to Shelburne, having a bit of a cut, speaking to Tony O'Donoghue about refereeing standards. Is he right? Yeah, so um, I know I know David's been following, Damien Duff's been getting on and um, he's still uh, as engaged as ever, Damien Duff. With, More passionate uh, than Johnny Ward. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, he, he, he went off on one, I suppose, you could say, after the game last night in this TV interview now, I was up at Dundalk Shamrock Rovers which was the controversial red card decision in that game too um, which Dundalk have appealed but his point was Shelburne were reduced to 10 men at the start of the second half a second yellow for Paddy Barrett um, and then there was one or two decisions afterwards and Damien Duff's fundamental point was um, you know things are going very well in the league at the moment in a lot of ways you know standards are improving crowds are up um, but the referees his point was need to come with us now like Damien Duff probably wouldn't be you know his comments at times would rile a lot of opposition fans and managers and people this is the one time where he seems like he's reached is uh, is there's a degree of uh, consensus forming around his opinions I'm sure referees will feel a bit hard done by with that but when I was writing about this recently and um, there's no doubt that um there's even within the refereeing world there will be a feeling they've lost some of their better refs in recent years and uh, it's just it's just a talking point too often, and I, in some ways, right, d- debating refereeing decisions isn't a great discussion point because you just go around in circles. Like some of them are subjective, some of them are you know contested. Like it's a hard gig getting people even to referee at certain levels in the country is difficult because of the grief. We had the, the abuse of the amateur yeah, level game, exactly, yeah. and and you know so I'm very conscious of that, but um, I mean. It, <laughs> it's not ideal when you have probably two games on a Friday night where like the the pattern of them was altered dramatically by red cards and there are more yellow cards being thrown out the stats are there there's more yellow cards being handed out in the league this year uh, than I think ever before in recent years something like an average of five per game you know the Premier League is I think 3.7 or something and um, you know managers and players are on edge 
um, for whatever reason like they feel they're going to be penalised quite easily and Johnny may have a counterpoint here but um, might have some sympathy for the refs I have sympathy for them too but um, I think um, I'd like be chatting to a lot of people around the league all the time and there's more discussion about refs than ever before it's not just one club feeling they're put upon because of bad decisions have gone against them um, there is a sense that maybe I don't know something's not quite right there the the standard of the League of Ireland I definitely think like um, my father brought me I hope he's listening in uh, in Galway he brought me to my first game in 1997 it took a long time for it to even during the early days of this, this century where Shells had that great team took a long time for it to get to where it's at now JD and like it's it's every Friday night now I'm, at, I'm watching a game on TV or I'm at a game and it's like the quality of the pass and, and like the, Damien Duff references I think he said the standards are maybe going through the roof or something like that he, he said did, yeah yeah so the referees have to go along with that and it is getting that bit more difficult and the standard probably of the refereeing if it's static or has gone slightly backwards um, the, the mistakes that are made are going to be highlighted I think last night the Robbie Benson sending off the referee this is an interesting case because the referee in that game was introduced from uh, the Northern Irish uh, League and I, I genuinely do think if he knew Robbie Benson sure, you can't be making the decisions on the basis of no but if someone. he knew I, I don't think it's it, it's a slightly late challenge but he, t- he touches the ball bit of a follow through it's not a red card and and I do think Dan if you know the players you're going to be like okay well no I don't really yeah, no, that, I, I that do actually think, case, I, I do yeah. think that's because I think that you don't send Robbie Benson off for tackling that he's not that tight genuinely he's not that Type player might have been slightly late, it wasn't red card. The situation in the Shells game, so I was at the game and Paul McLaughlin was the referee. Paul's been on, I think he's been on our podcast before. I think he's generally a very good ref, tries to let the game flow. What frustrated me was Paul McLaughlin got an exceptionally hard decision at the end where the whole Shells crowd is baying for a penalty. Literally, the last touch of the game when Kyle Robinson goes over very, very easily in the box <laughs> and he has to make a snap decision. He gets it 100% right and he gets no praise for that whatsoever, despite the fact the ground was baying for a penalty and it looked like to me I was like I'm not sure about that he got a 100% spot on the red card that he gave to Paddy Barris um, now I would argue the point I don't think it was as cut and dried as people say Paddy Barrett raised his arm he's a very very strong boy McGonagall went down very quickly I, I don't think McGonagall is that type of player I think what really frustrated Damien Duff was that there was a blatant blatant yellow card and um, Ben Doherty took the legs of a Shelburne player a blatant yellow card wasn't given um, I think Paul McLaughlin may have been unsighted in it but did not give a yellow card Damien Duff um, was understandably apoplectic about that and then Damien Duff was given a yellow card and I think that's what's frustrating for me in the sense that why can't we just like have a bit of a conversation with the managers if stuff like that happens and give them a bit more leeway than giving Damien Duff a yellow card which I think just adds acid to the wound but in general I, I'm I, I, I don't know what Damien Duff's comments actually serve to do in the sense that we cannot invent referees overnight that are good enough. I don't know many people who went down the route of refereeing. It's it's not a particularly attractive job and it's less and less attractive if you have somebody of the profile of Damien Duff effectively calling out your performance on live TV afterwards. I don't really know if that actually serves the purpose and I think it doesn't do anything for referees' morale either. Yeah, just to go back to the, the details of it, it's actually striking watching the, the Liverpool Man City game today that um, in the first half there was a couple of tackles that might have normally drew a yellow card and there was more of a sense of letting it go letting it go uh, I think Rodri got one yes. and there was another player that got booked uh, a Liverpool player got booked and there was definitely one towards the end where you're thinking that maybe should be a booking and there was I think they were even commenting in the commentary that clearly there's a decision and we saw that in the World Cup to some degree yeah big time w- what's happened in the league this year a lot of people are talking about there's this new assessment tool being used this technology from Estonia that's been used that the decisions are being watched very close and if ref 
referees don't give yellows for obvious yellow card offences they're getting sort of feedback to suggest well why didn't you do it and there's a feeling that maybe this is taking some of the common sense approach out of it and that's maybe might be contributing to the large card tally and what you'll have is a lot of second yellow sendings off when you sort of have the it's the first yellow now the Paddy Barrett one to be fair I think the first yellow was a yellow in this instance but uh, in other games this has possibly cr- created a situation where people are a little bit more on the edge but also it just seems as Johnny says the relationships are bad between people um, and there was a time in the league here where maybe you know you talk to people you know everyone knows each other the, the lines of communication were more open now it seems to be more fraught and that's obviously not helping when it comes to uh, when it comes to controversial decisions that maybe people aren't talking and, and then and there's more rancor when there's a fallout from them but it is a talking point you can't ignore it yeah and maybe also more neutrality as well and maybe in a way there, there's more detachment and maybe that's not a bad thing as well uh, 53106 if you want to get in touch um, guys if you think the refereeing is questionable if the Premier League uh, try the first division is dreadful yellow cards red cards very little leeway for players says John uh, en route to the showgrounds for Sligo Rovers Bows looking forward to the Rovers getting a big win what's the solution to the referee issue what, that, like we're not going to just solve this by saying the referees nah, are shot. No, What's the solution? Well, How do we make well, referees? Well, it's 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 well, it's to g- give them an encouraging environment and give mm. them an environment where they enjoy it and where they're you know respected and where uh, they feel that it's worth their while doing it. Yeah, and also um, it's it's probably probably resource based. Yeah, I think if there was more, that's what referees have to put up with as well as in in Gaelic games. Thankless job, and 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 like the abuse that they get for doing a job where they might get thirty five or forty quid uh, to do a game or whatever, and the abuse that they get in the sideline. You have to ask yourself, okay, what's the solution here, and how do we actually encourage people to take up a job where it's a thankless task? And I will point out that nobody praised Paul McLaughlin. Nobody gave him any praise for getting that. Well, you're doing a crucial decision right at the end. So (laughs) so at least least somebody is. Okay, Johnny. Okay, Uh, David Connolly. um, Just before we we go here Antonio Conte I know you got you know, your connections to Spurs like it's just all gone south at the club Arsenal now a 4-1 up Granite Jack has scored uh, Arsenal's fourth goal they're back 8 points clear at the top of the Premier League they're Tottenham's biggest rivals uh, they haven't won a league in 19 years but that could change they're really going to um, test Manchester City's resolve in terms of chasing them down where do Spurs go from here? Because it just seems to me that um, they're brilliant business people, Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy, fantastic business people, have turned a business that was worth £80 million in 2001 when they took it over into a £2 billion uh, business with that magnificent stadium. But the football product isn't right. And it doesn't seem that on the basis of Pochettino aside, um, the track record's not very good in terms of the way they manage the football product. Um well, I mean, I think we touched on this a few weeks ago. We said, would would would, um, would Antonio get get to the end of the season? I, I thought he might because what's the alternative? The alternative is what they've done previously. I know um, uh, Ryan Mason had it before. He hasn't got the main role now, but they tried it with Ryan just before the cup final, and it, you know things things didn't work out. I thought he'd see the season out, but obviously his pre match his post match comments were probably you know put paid to that. Um, Tot- Tottenham's. Uh, Tottenham's a, a a a club I've I've been into a few times um, because their their sort of um, academy manager John McDermott was at Watford when I was a kid. Now John's now second in command at the English FA, right? So I would go in to see Tottenham quite a lot. I remember talking to Troy Parrott when I was there. Robbie Keane was in the training ground, um, and they always had a close link that club from top to bottom. Uh, when Mourinho came in, that just went. You know, John McDermott left. It seemed like there was a real detachment, not just from the academy up to the first team, but just in general terms, in terms of getting players playing in the first team. Look, I don't know where they go from here, Tottenham, but 
uh, I, I'll be amazed. Uh, well, not amazed. I'll be I'll be surprised if they make the top four, even after Liverpool's result, purely because I just think it's such a big ask. And those players would have seen so many managers now. And Antonio, no matter what you say, when they lose a, a man of his calibre, we don't know what what his assistant is like, right? We've seen it with Southampton, with Sellers taking over. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to be like against Everton, but I know Sean Dyche at home will, will get Everton up for it. They might have a possible points deduction. So so they'll need points on the board. And, and I think that Everton game is a lot harder than it looks on paper. And, and then they got Brighton after that. That's two tough games, two really tough games. Dan slags me a lot about the... Um... The, the Luke McNally shout out Coventry are losing 4-0 Stoke today just looking at like the, one of the most exciting things I think in sport is the championship battle when it gets towards the end near the playoffs and you look at the Irish interest around the playoffs JD Millwall 5th Blackburn 6th Norwich 7th Coventry 8th West Brom 9th Preston 10th um, all basically all have Irish players and obviously Smallbone at Stoke they're probably a little bit off the pace but that's going to be fascinating going forward and it's a really really tough battle for 6 I know we probably should I know it's not necessarily within our remit but I actually am interested because David was at Luton today like Luton are fourth mm. in the championship playing out of a ground that would probably struggle to like you know it's it's like a League of Ireland ground well, like, like you know but it's, it's plastic pitch is gone but, yeah. but, it's, but it's, an inc- <laughs> it's an incredible story Luton like for a team that was in the conference in recent memories you know there must be there must be flying David at the moment I mean yeah. huge win today yeah, I mean, um, look, I, I was going to touch on it there with the referees because I know uh, I was reading about, you know, the average cards in, say, League of Ireland compared to, you know, other leagues is a lot, lot higher. There was no yellows in, in this game today, apart from I think Joe Pedro kicked the ball away into the crowd and he got a yellow for that. So the ref kept the real lid on it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, coming back to to uh, to Luton, I mean, you know, this is a, the point where I referenced Brentford earlier in their set pieces is uh, uh, you, have an, you, you seem to have an affinity with, with, with sides, clubs, whatever, who seem to be greater than the sum of their parts. Maybe a bit like Ireland, right? Maybe a bit like maybe we'd have to overachieve with what we've got. And you look at Luton, you look at Brentford, you know, overachieving with what they've got. And how will these players play in the Premier League? They're probably not going to be bought. You know, a lot of these Luton lads, uh, Brentford, some of those players might have got to play in the Premier League. But otherwise, there's only a couple of ways as a player. How are you going to go and play? You know, everyone wants to play well, I tell you what, you're going to have to probably get promoted with your team. You're going to have to get promoted with your team. Brentford done it. Mm-hmm. Luton now, two seasons in a row, a bit like Millwall, punching above their weight with, you know, like lads plucked from, you know, lower league clubs or they've retained them or they've got lads in on loan, smart smart loans. Um, and, yeah, just, just know their game. Look, if you watch today's game, you would have said, it might have been like Ireland when you know, Mick was in charge. It was long balls, in behind, playing for territory, a bit like rugby. Balls in the channels, throws, corners, set pieces, aggressive, up and out in football. It might take him to the Premier yeah. League. You know, okay. So there's, look, there's a bit, there's a kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a place for, you've got Burnley playing possession, the beautiful game, and you've got Luton probably at the other end, and they're both doing pretty well. David Connolly, brilliant stuff as always. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. David Connolly there Dan and Johnny thank you very much thank you you know when he's Galway connections with the Galway United oh. reference as well I know uh, well uh, like uh, David's uh, father was one of the best hurlers in, in London yeah and uh, you know so look top top man 
Uh, got to leave it there. Just uh, give you the scores. Uh, the Premier League, uh, Arsenal are going to go eight points clear. 4-1, they lead Leeds uh, into the closing stages of that match. Bournemouth 2, Fulham 1, a result. Man City 4, Liverpool 1, earlier on a result. Brighton 3, Brentford 3 now. Brighton have equalised in that game, which is uh, ongoing. So that's at the Amex Stadium. Uh, Alexis McAllister uh, with a penalty. And Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson have scored a second goal. Uh, Mateta scoring Philippe Mateta scoring so the leading Leicester 2-1 Forest 1 Wolves 1 is the latest score Daniel Podence on the mark for Wolves equalising there in the championship uh, games finishing Birmingham 1 Blackburn 0 Bristol City 1 Reading 1 a result Cardiff 2 Swansea 2 a latest Coventry 0 Stoke 4 Huddersfield 4 Middlesbrough 2 Hull 0 Rotherham 0 it's ended Norwich 0 Sheffield United 1 latest West Brom 0 Millwall 0 latest Wigan 1 QPR 0 we're back tomorrow uh, on off the ball here on uh, News Talk from 1 until 7. Uh, just let you know as well, Irish women trading France 46-3 in the Women's Six Nations. That at Musgrave Park, a second defeat on the way. So we're going to showcase two live and exclusive commentaries in the Premier League for you. First up, Richie McCormick and Brian Kerr will describe the match between West Ham and Southampton. Then Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham will provide the call on the game between Newcastle and Manchester United. We'll also bring you the highlights from the Sunday papers. Be sure to tune in for some great commentaries and conversation. All the GA updates as well from the league finals. If you missed any of OTB Football Saturday with Kevin Doyle, David Connolly, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward as Arsenal goes full-time 4-1 win against Leeds or our interview with the Paralympian Jason Smith who retired this week. You can find the podcast on the Off the Ball section of the GoLad Network or be sure to listen back wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much folks for listening on your radio across the country here on News to Talk today. We will speak tomorrow at 1, 1 till 7 tomorrow. Until then, bye-bye. 